It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Hello and welcome to Let Me Talk Details, a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. This is a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. I'm David Mooney. With me, as ever, is the Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. Hello. Hello. This show is a platform for you to get involved. We'd love to hear from you, so email hello at lmtpod.com if you've got any questions, thoughts or ponderings about City or football in general. Colm Mulvena says, uh, Saudi Arabia offer $130 million for Kevin De Bruyne. Do you take it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think City would as well, you know, kind of age profile. Obviously now he's got the injury, so it's easier to think. It's easier to do it's that. It's easier to think, oh yeah, De Bruyne's finished, crack on. But obviously, like, if he just started the season with five assists to Haaland, you'd be like, no. But I'd, even so, I kind of... No, do you remember I mentioned... A while back, there was some... It wasn't a meme I'd seen, but it was posted in kind of meme context. Like It was like some, I want to say, American AC Milan fan. And he was like, oh, the balance sheet guys are happy. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, we've got 70 million euros. What, like, we've got nothing on the pitch, but you're, like, you're happy about this? Oh, yeah. And he was like, really angry for like a minute and a half. I feel like what good is 130 million quid to Manchester City when you're losing to Bruyne? And I guess the whole context around the first part of the season, especially if you remember the first four games... Oh, there's no creativity through the middle without De Bruyne, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So it is a tricky one. But I, I think, because I guess to an extent, City are balance sheet perverts, they probably would just... <laughs> what? They probably... They, what? I just, that, that, those words were not what I was expecting to come out of your face, well, that's all. Yeah, face. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, the 130 million foot, like, and then they'd probably look into like the analytics, how much longer do we think he's going to play, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. 130 million... I think they would do that. Do I think it's worth doing? Again, because I've kind of got this AC Milan fan in my head. Like, what good to me it, and what good to the team is it if they, if City have got an extra 130 million? But then does it it's like he's going to go at some point soon anyway. Yeah, so but do, does it do, depend do it on now? whether he wants to go at that point? Because you look at the, the transfers that City sanction, it, it's generally the player wants to leave. Okay, they've got, here, here's an offer. Well, here's like 40 million yeah. tops. But, Their biggest sales are like forty five million. Yeah, they've never had anybody come in and go, you know what, you're you're a brilliant player. Two hundred million. Well, it's because 
Nobody can, but like now well, the landscape the is, is changing. The thing is, the landscape is changing, but normally, it's like it's interesting um, with Salah and Liverpool because you've got a situation where the club absolutely don't want to sell, but Salah's obviously gone. Yeah, go on, yeah, maybe. See what happens. And like that's why bids don't get made out of the blue. Because again, we talked about this like on another detail show, but it, it isn't football manager, is it? You're not just going to bang down 130 million and see what they say. Like you need to put in the groundwork. Like there's no point offering that money for whether it was Aguero or David Silva or Yaya Torre or De Bruyne or Haaland or whoever. If they're and not interested, they've, in they've, move, never, yeah. they've never really wanted to, have they? And obviously, the, I guess like with Bernardo Silva, the priorities have always been elsewhere. Like there's so many clubs that should have bought Bernardo Silva when he's been available, especially for like. 40, 50 million, which is absolutely mad, but they've just looked up elsewhere. But with this one, I think so. It just, it just, it just makes sense. But it's funny because with Liverpool and Salah, you can't sell Salah. But then it's like, especially with the way that Liverpool's owners are, it's like that 150 slash 200 million would go a long way. So you can see why they would be tempted in that sense. But also it's like, you just can't sell Salah. You just can't. Like, you can't. But also with, with De Bruyne well, I mean, like and the... City. But all, yeah, but he is just as good. In certain, just as valuable to the team, but the team have showed, and I've got faith that they would show, that they can play without him, and they could adapt without him anyway. I, so, and to be a balance sheet pervert, I think it makes sense because, like, but also it's like you give City 130 million, and you go, oh, there you go, you can go and buy whoever now, but they go, oh well, we only think he's worth 65. <laughs> and like, oh, so then they, they wouldn't bother; they wouldn't actually spend it anyway. So, I don't know, maybe you just keep him. See, part of me was thinking that. I, I had two thoughts during all of that. And the first one is, uh, Liverpool's still running off the Coutinho money, so imagine how long the Salah money will go for. <laughs> um, but the second one was, uh, it just reminded me of when Wright Phillips left. And uh, City City turned down 20 million from Chelsea uh, for Wright Phillips and then accepted 21 million. <laughs> and it, it just like, there's a long way the negotiations have changed since then. Well, do you remember, um, well, do you remember the Arsenal bid for Suarez, 40 million and a pound? Yeah. But that was apparently the buyout clause. And just because they took the piss, it doesn't mean you can reject it. Yeah. If that is the clause, how do they just refuse to do that? That was a wild time. Yeah. The Barclays always delivers. Like, <laughs> I get now, like, I, I think you could genuinely be a fan of the Barclays and not have one specific team. Because there's always something. There's always something every weekend. You don't have to look out for one specific team. You don't even have to watch most of the games. As long as, like, you're on top of following the right Twitter accounts and you're kind of plugged into yeah. all the right podcasts and stuff, there's always there's enough fuel to keep you going into I the next week. There's always a crisis team coming out yeah. of the weekend. There's always one big performance. There's some massive controversy. There's always some VAR. You could easily just watch that league and not care about any of the specific teams. I won't say his name because uh, it's, it, was, it, it was a conversation that uh, wasn't public, but I was speaking to a uh, commentator who uh, does a lot of uh, TV work and commentates in the Premier League who grew up in the middle of nowhere and just grew up enjoying football, didn't support a team. I've got, and, I've got a mate who plays, he plays yeah. football all the time. He plays foot golf all the time. Never supported anyone. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's a fascinating perspective on, on the Premier League yeah. because like, he's commentated on the Premier League for years and like, has never had any allegiance to any team in it. And it's, yeah, like, it's, it's like, it's either most cases, like a parent, either drags you into it or they just take you. And yeah, then you get his parents but, weren't into football, yeah, so that's how it happened. But then, yeah. it's like, but then it's almost like the culture so much is your mates at school support teams. And like you see kids walking around with like Real Madrid shirts on or whatever. And like there's, there's been the whole conversations about there's more city shirts cropping up in different parts of the country. And 
in, in a lot of those cases, they won't be going to the games, but they've seen it on TV and they've gone, well, I need to support somebody. I like it. That, this, the idea of supporting a team is there. So I get if his parents weren't interested, there's mm. that. But also you think, well, I do like football and all of my mates are picking teams. You could even just go, well, I'm going to support X because whoever was the most popular team at the time. Yeah. Or like, if, you know, if you're in a different country, if it's Ireland, for example, then there's a higher chance of it being United or Liverpool. I suppose it's pretty similar in the UK as well. But if you're in London and all your mates are like Arsenal fans or Spurs fans, depending on where you grew up, or like Palace, whatever, you do that. So it is quite unusual, actually. Yeah. But it's always been kind of normalised for me because I've known this lad for like over 10 years. One of my mates picked Wolves because he liked the kit. And I mean, you like the kit. But again, there's just, there is, yeah, exactly. But there is, there is just that feeling of, I need to support someone. Yeah. And like, there's loads of people who like get into it from like FIFA, playing FIFA or whatever. But it always leads to, well, I'm going to support these guys in real life. When, but for this guy, he's obviously just gone, well, I'm going to be whoever in FIFA. I don't care. I don't support anyone. But bringing it back around to De Bruyne. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Kicking and screaming. There are people who follow football clubs based on the players. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, like there'll, be, there'll be Belgian like football fans who have become City fans because yeah. De Bruyne has been so important to City over the last five, six, seven years. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, particularly, I think there's actually like statistics to show. I don't want to generalize for the area because like when I was obviously in Japan and Korea, there was all kinds of different shirts, shirts on the back or yeah. whatever. Um, but I think there is like evidence to show that like in China, for example, people do follow more players rather than teams, or at least it's very common there. But also all of City's social media channels had this massive up- upturn and boost in numbers when Haaland signed. And I think Haaland did obviously help do that as well mm. and like... That's even just in terms of like followers and stuff, but there was a big like increase in sales for tickets last season that was attributed to Haaland. And you think, well, these aren't just, just all, all Norwegian addresses on the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but but again, it's not it's not like it was, I thought it was interesting when you said about supporting a, a club because of a player. I didn't think you were going to go down the route of like an established country with loads of clubs, mm. the, like like Belgium. Like Belgium. Like, I'm not thinking. Because there are Norwegian youngsters who will support City now, but obviously the Premier League is such a strong brand over there, and obviously I've already mentioned Ireland, but it's very strong for like Liverpool and United as well. But I don't think too many fans are going to change, but obviously there will be more City coming through now. But I just think it's people from around the world just like wanting to see what Haaland does. I think it's just, just young people in general as well. You know, we talked about there's data in China that suggests this or that or whatever. I think it's just young people as well. Like yeah. that, that's just that's a lot of how it how it's going to work. If 130 million is a yes for De Bruyne. Yeah. Is 100 million. Yeah, I think it's the same principle. 80 like, million. Because I remember... How low you go? Well... 60 million. I'm going to give you 50. my logic before I answer. 50 Fourth, seems a bit like... 45. No <laughs> 45 seems to be the bar for everyone. <laughs> um, 50 seems like there's no point. 60 then seems like... That still seems like a lot. Because, you know, I, I remember saying, like, honestly, during the summer, I didn't even think twice about it. When I did one of the stories about Mares getting closer to his, his move to Al Ahly, saying, like, you know, whatever it was, 32 million, 35 million, I was like, that's really good money. People were like, is it? And I was like, yeah, he's like, he's 32. Like, you don't get that much money for, like, a 32-year-old. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of get it because it's like, well, and all, all the conversation about our city stronger or weaker now and Doku, you know, taking time to settle in, I think it'll be great eventually, but... Compared to Mahrez right now, it's just not going to be the same level of consistency and probably output. So you think, 
is it worth selling for the 32? But I was like, yeah, I think that's good money for him. But then you get to 50 million and kind of how key De Bruyne has been. I don't think that's worth it. I'm thinking 60 million, I'm thinking about it. 70 million plus is like, yeah, no brainer. Because you just don't normally get that money for, for players who are over 30. But again, I'm kind of on the assumption, and maybe again because it's easy because he's injured, I'm kind of on the assumption that his legs are going to go in like 18 months and then he needs to be folded. You know what? So I'm thinking, well, might as well do it now. But maybe he's got another three years in him. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, the, what, like, what a good is 130 million. Now, obviously, they would, they would love that income. But would you rather have De Bruyne on the pitch for three years if that's what he's going to give? Yeah, but um, I, I think I'm a kind of rip the band-aid off kind of guy, as I've been mentioning about the summer rebuild and stuff. So if that's on the table, hypothetically, am I taking it? Yeah, and then you just you, you use Foden. Obviously, now if we're talking about the state of the squad, in, selling him in January might be a bit much. What's the price for Haaland? Someone who I is, don't think so, there some, is one. someone who is genuinely irreplaceable. I don't, I don't, I, I, for, yeah, but you say irreplaceable in, in that sense, but again, City would just go. You know, Alvarez was playing number nine, and it'd be great, and he wouldn't score as many goals. But also, you don't need to score fifty, do you? Was, no, it Harlan nice. scoring, yeah, but was it Harlan scoring? Yeah, was it Harlan scoring fifty that made them win the Champions League? Because it's difficult. Because you look at it and go, "Well, Harlan's extra goals, have, they, and they won the treble." But how many of those goals? Well, obviously, I'm not saying <laughs> I don't want people to think I mean like, "Oh, what was the point in scoring those goals, mate?" But like, if you were to replace, yeah, you've done all right. You got a few you, records, but if you were but, to yeah. replace Harlan's fifty goals with Alvarez getting, or even like thirty, because thirty is still a lot. Mm. They could win the same amount of trophies. They could win the same amount of games with that. Like Harlan's goals are just obscene. Like the hat trick goal against Fulham. Like, what is that? Why have we even got a hat trick out of this? And he does it all the time. It's like you don't. You only need. Like you don't need to score those goals. You know. But you know, in terms of him being replaceable, you couldn't get somebody else who's going to score 50, 60 goals. He's not going to do it. Thirty-eight then, goals could get you maximum points over the course of a season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if you had a very, very tight defence. Um, so yeah, I, I think they could because it's the same as De Bruyne. They'll just go and do it in a different way. But personally, are you saying to me like two hundred million? I go no, because he's like worth he's, so much more. He's, than that. he's just worth loads, and you don't need to catch it, cash in. You know, he, he could be here for even if it's just another two or three years. Like, just unless I have the two or three years with him causing havoc, that makes sense. And then if he's there for longer, it makes even less sense to sell him. But even if you get up to like about five hundred million, it just seems stupid. Like mm. that's just a stupid amount of money. And also, but then again, it's like five hundred million. I don't know. Could the owners sell up then? They'd be happy. <laughs> They've made a huge. But like, what would you do with that five hundred million? Like well, go straight to the balance sheet, wouldn't they? Yeah, we would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, they would. They would just rebuild by by buying like another Alvarez for like twenty million. They'd mm. buy another winger for seventy, and they'd just carry on doing what they need to do. Um, no, I wouldn't bother selling Haaland because two hundred is probably the most likely bid you're going to get. I say that. Maybe someone in Saudi Arabia does offer three hundred, but he's not going to go. Like mm-hmm. he's not going to go. Like I've, I do have that feeling. I don't. People who want to go and play in Saudi Arabia for like footballing reasons, like football slash money reasons, I don't mind. Like go and do it. It's not a problem. I think the league will be strong in a couple of years as long as they keep recruiting. I think they will. They'll have a league with teams in it that wouldn't look out of place in the Champions League. So go and do it. That's fine. But at the same time, I think most of the city players would go. I'm not doing that. Maris, I get it. Because there's obviously there was the big push from the Saudi league as well to bring in Muslim players, big superstars, and he's at a different end of his career. But like Bernardo didn't want to go for like seventy five million quid a year, with mental money, like more than a million quid a week. Didn't like didn't want to do it. And I think a lot of the city players are like, 
I still want to win trophies at the top level. You know, I still want to do this. I don't think Haaland would go. Like, even if they offered him, like, they're probably offering about two million quid a week, three million quid a week. They might offer City 300 million. But I don't think he'd go. But it's not just a move to Saudi Arabia. It's, okay, there's a domino effect here, but a big bid here, a big bid there ends up with a lot of money in Real Madrid's coffers. Then Real Madrid make the bid oh, for Haaland. Oh, so if, if a Saudi team buys... thing is, they are... Apart from Haaland, apart from Salah, who is obviously like, well, they, they don't want to let him go, so mm. you're just going to... They're just offering mad money. They haven't offered big fees. No, they got Laporte over to Al Nasser for $23 million. Um, Mahrez, I think, was a good fee, but it wasn't, like, inflated. So when there was complaints about, oh, they bought um, Alan Saint-Maximin, and that's inflated value, and that's helping Newcastle. Twenty-five million for Sam Maximin is absolutely normal. He would have gone to like a European team when they had money three or four years ago in, for, that. for that kind of fee. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, twenty kind of thing. But I thought that was that was fine. They're not spending massive fees, are they? So, and they, I don't think they could tempt Bellingham in the same way. You know, they couldn't say, right, here's three hundred million of Millingham. Here's, <laughs> here's three hundred Millingham for Bellingham, and they would accept it. And then they would just go and spend that money on Haaland because it's like when they got Benzema. Benzema, he went for free, and they've been quite astute with that. But yeah, if I'm trying to think which Real Madrid player like, would be up for it, but let's just say Vinicius, for example, fancied it. I think I'm not sure he would. And yeah, maybe they got loads of money. They think maybe Madrid would go and spend that on Haaland in a way that City wouldn't. They'd just keep it. Yeah, they'd keep 30 million for a rainy day and buy two players with the rest, and that's how they'd do it. But Madrid would probably go, ah, finally we can go and get this guy. And also, they feel that demand, don't they? Mm. There's always an itch at Real Madrid to, we've had a bad season here, we need to go push the boat out and get like a big sign-in, maybe two. Whereas City, we've talked about statements and fans wanting to make statements after winning the treble. Do they go and buy loads of top players or do they bring in young players or whatever? They just go, well, we're not doing any kind of statement, we're just going to do what we normally do and they'll do what they think makes the most sense. Um, So yeah, Madrid is different in that sense. So De Bruyne, yeah. I'm going to rip the band-aid off. Thanks for everything. Sell up. Sell up. Move on with Foden through the middle. But uh, if it was in January, they'll have, have to be buying players in January. It's not, that's not a Cancelo situation, I don't think. Maybe it is, because everyone thought, how oh, would they cope without Cancelo? I'm sure I did as well. And they were fine. So yeah, we'll get rid of them now. Let <laughs> them go for free. <laughs> we'll make it harder. Time for a short ad break now. We'll be back in a few minutes. See you then. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Sam, I thought we would uh, pick up on a thread that you dangled uh, on a recent analysis show um, about uh, City going 5v5 um, or not over committing early in games. So I thought it's probably worth explaining it a little more, but also it ties into the whole element of, and it goes back to what Juan Marlia was saying after the Sheffield United game, of the game was closer to what we wanted than the scoreline suggests. And, you know, people were like, oh, even if they were non-City fans, oh, they, you know, they had to get a late goal to beat Sheffield United. Obviously, there were some City fans thinking that too. People weren't happy with the performance more pertinently. But it's like, well, if you knew what they wanted, then it would be easier to <laughs> you'd, accept. You'd still not be happy with it, but you'd, get, you'd understand. Yeah, but also, if, yeah. yeah, I guess, although I think it might turn some people's heads like it would with me because they'd be like, well, they know what they're doing. If that's what they want to do and they're executing it well, then who am I Fine. to argue? Okay, yeah. Thing? Um, and part of that, and it's it's because of that element of, you see, so there's a lot of really good tactical writing, and I'm not um, I'm not going to knock it at all. But I always remember another another journalist said, I think publicly, like in an interview I'd read with him, he said he's always skeptical of like tactical analysis and this team did this and they did that and that was why you know to cause this and to cause that. It's like did they want to cause that or did it just happen? It's like you can't. It's difficult to do good tactical analysis without knowing what the intention, what they were. actually want. And now, it's kind of good that I work the other way around because I'm not brilliant at spotting different tactical things always, unless I already know what they are. And but the only reason I kind of know what they are, it's not through coaching background or playing background. It's from asking people at City, well, "What are you trying to do?" or listening to press conferences. So, in terms of knowing what to look out for, this 5v5 thing, which I guess we've kind of called it for shorthand, but this is why we're explaining it. It was reverse engineered from seeing a tweet after the Real Madrid first leg last season. It was even game, wasn't it? Yeah. It was quite a dull game. In fact, a lot of dull, seasons, dull by design. The way Champions yeah. League games are dull by design. You know, we've talked again before, before we go into it, how many, well, all English teams, all British teams, go away from home in Europe, big game, everyone be on the ball. United, United did it under Ferguson, 
no problem at all. Um, Mourinho, more understandably, no problem at all. This is what English teams do or did. Um, keep it tight, but without the ball. Guardiola and City do the same thing, but they do it with the ball. And then to get more specific with it is this element of the five versus five or not forcing an overload in the final third. And I just remember one of the, the tactical threads was, I don't know if it actually said City struggled with or whatever, but the idea was City had a front five of whoever it was on the night and Real Madrid's back five, let's say they had the back four and somebody dropped in. Some, uh, yeah, so the midfield drops. There was like, no... Yeah. And, and it was like, well, City kind of... Let's, I'm just going to use the word struggled. But the impression I got was, well, City couldn't really do anything because there was just this five versus five the whole game and it, they kind of cancelled each other out. And I remember thinking... Surely Guardiola is clever enough to spot that, to and spot to know that, it, and to yeah. do something about it, to expect it for a start. You know, for every every player always says he says what's going to happen on the pitch, and then it happens. Mm. Like he's not going to not have expected that, and then even if he didn't expect it, he'd find a solution after like twenty minutes, or even in the second half when you want more goals. But he didn't want more goals; he didn't want to push. And so I remember thinking, oh, surely he must he must have known. And then in the second leg, I saw a different tactical analysis of the second leg. And obviously how they blew them away. But also it didn't really need the tactical analysis on that night. Because I remember I was messaging you and you were like, Stones is just running Stones is just running at the box and then carrying and, on. <laughs> and that, that numbers at the back, whether it was 4v4 or 5v5, and normally what City will do, and normally what all teams will do to defeat a low block is to find that overload. And that's the other thing with Guardiola. It's all about overloads. And like, you, you can bring the ball over to the left. And that's part of why Grealish was good at what he was doing. Because he would just shift the ball back to Cancelo or Rodri. And then they'd bang it over to Mares on the right. And then you've got De Bruyne coming in too. And then you've got the two versus one on the fullback. He crosses it. And, you know, Harlan runs it in the back post. Thanks Pops very much. It, yeah. um, so it's all about working those overloads. So if you think, well, why wasn't he doing those overloads? I was thinking, well, he must, he must know that. And just so, not want to do it so for a reason. So he must be choosing and not to do it. And then in the second yeah. leg, when they were like, well, Stones is stepping up and he's creating this extra man in midfield that they can't deal with in the final third. It's like, well... That must have been a planned thing, and but I do I do kind of remember reading at the time, just on a Twitter thread. I think it was. It was like, this is kind of what Guardiola learned, and this is this, this is a sort of difference in the framing. It's not what he learned from one leg to the next. It was how he wanted to play it yeah. from one leg to the next. But also, I wonder if they take that Real Madrid tie as a as an example again. I wonder if how much of that second leg then, Madrid's approach is. Well, we were fine with them in the first leg. Yeah, and like we, we, we dealt with them. Yeah, like we yeah, dealt with them perfectly well in the first leg. Maybe. And then, but then again, second he, leg comes along. Bang! This is happening. In terms of not taking, like you know, Guardiola would have known that. Maybe and Shorty would Ancelotti probably have expected like, that. As well. They're going to come out as more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, what I said before they're just doing the same what English teams have always done, but with the ball. Obviously, the structures involved in that are partly this, you know, yeah. not pushing to create an overload. They're keeping the numbers the same, and presumably. Ancelotti, the structures involved in, they're going to come out as more. They would have been alive to it. But to be fair, they didn't look alive to it, did they? No. Like, Stones was just wreaking havoc and, and it all kind of came from City having that extra it, man. It, it reminds me of... Um, oh, God. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about Robot Wars again. 
Um, but it reminds me of. Um, I'm nodding, by the way. Yeah, carry on. Um, yeah, like th- there was there was one machine um, that had, it had. This is see when you say you're going to talk about robot wars, it's like oh they're going to come at us, but the actual structures are you need to talk about specific machines. Yeah, yeah. Fine. So like, with an axe that for one fight in particular, they just cranked the dial up and went, we are gonna we're, we're gonna overpower this to like like we've never seen before mm. you crank crank the dial up to 11 sort of thing and that's what i felt city did against madrid for mm. that for, for that opening yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. 20 minutes or so it felt like that that opening performance without it, people that they the thing yeah. that pep always says yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um but also it, it felt unsustainable it felt like you couldn't you couldn't just go this is how we're going to play because it like it'd be exhausting for yeah it'd it take too much out of you for, for too long but you go into that game, you overload Madrid, you do the you, you get six up against their five at the at the back and you you create overloads left, right and centre. Do that for half an hour and you know, you beat them into submission before before they've got yeah. a chance to to kind of get a foothold in the game. And you know, that Madrid tie is probably a different tie if they score in the first twenty minutes of the second half. Yeah, um yeah. I mean I think City would try and come roaring back, but then it's like, where do they kind of find that balance? Because that was basically the Spurs game, wasn't yeah. it, in twenty nineteen. And they were like, they kept shooting themselves in the foot, and then they'd have to go. Okay, well, we'll go and attack again. And obviously, they were great that night, but kept leaving the back door open, and then it was mad at the end. But the, so I keep saying it's five v five, but that's because it was five. It's normally five v five, or at least it's a back five of the other team. And it's in my head because of the Sheffield United game. And I remember I was going to write in the article. Like presumably, there was an element of City wanting to maintain that Im- that balance, actually. Not imbalance, but that balance. They didn't want to force the overloads. A bit kind of had the Real Madrid thing in my head. And then I, I didn't write it in the end because I thought there was enough stuff that Wamalia did say that I thought I might as well put this in rather than my own theories. Yeah. And then, But then I did go and actually check. And whether it's 4v4, you know, they've got a back four and City have just got Grealish, Alvarez and Haaland and Bernardo pinning them back. Whether it's five v five and they chuck, uh, well now Foden. now now they've got Foden in there from the right wing and, and Walker's going up to the right because you don't want to be outnumbered because you're never going to create anything. But when you've got as much of the ball as City have and you've got another team that are going to kind of sit back and be defensive, as we saw against Sheffield United, perfect example when it was the five v five, they could create enough in that first half. There was the chance leading to the penalty. Was a good chance a good created. Chance. Come what mate. The yeah. one, the ball from Walker over to to, to Harland, which ended up at Alvarez. That was a good chance. They obviously had the penalty. They missed it. And obviously, when it goes back to what fans want and what they're expecting at home, you think, well, do, like take more risks, get more men up there, more men, no creativity or whatever. But going back to what Wanmar's saying, that's what they wanted. And in the second half, they pushed Kovacic further up. Like they did with Stones in the second leg against Real Madrid. More Overload. overloads, more less chances. men to deal with him, more chances. And I said, is that something that they specifically do? And the answer was like, yeah, like it is, because Pep would obviously prefer the game to be more stable. Now, it's, a, it's good using these two examples because the first leg, and I've said with our people, that thing he always says at home, but the first leg, it's with their people yeah. and it's Real Madrid and you've already know what's happened the year before, so you don't want them to score. So you keep you don't want you don't like I say you don't want to have four versus five in their favour because that's going to run you over like you're not going to do anything but with the numbers at the same like we saw against Sheffield United they can control the game and still create chances because they're so good at keeping the ball and their structures in other areas the, the scales pitch. are balanced but yeah. then in the second leg it's like well we can go for it now we're going to use our energy and the fans and all that to to get us over the line and it was 
probably the best performance that's ever been made by City, but one of the best performances you've ever seen in the Champions League. It's one of the best football matches I've ever seen. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. But then when you shrink that down to one game, first half, if they score that penalty, it's job done at half time. Mm. They've kept it stable. They're not conceding any counter attacks. And they're in front. And they're in front. But they weren't in front. They missed the penalty. What can they do in the second half? Start pushing towards the overloads. Push a bit more because it, get, it, it gets to a bit more risk-reward. Okay, maybe this allows them to have a few more counter-attacks, but we need a goal, actually. So we're going to push for it. And that's why you start seeing a bit more. Um, and the answer I actually got was, especially at this stage of the season, with a lot of injuries, it's better to attack a little bit less and not suffer too much. Makes sense. Makes sense. Like, and they're, they're attacking in a way that's not going to leave them massively open. But there is wiggle room where they can attack even more. And as we saw against Sheffield United, until City scored, actually, it was fine. It, was, it worked perfectly. It was actually when City scored, that's when the problem started to happen. Am I going to come up with another driving analogy here? <laughs> Go on. I'm just thinking it's, it's like driving conservatively down the motorway because you don't have a lot of fuel. And then you, you kind of you're conserving your fuel for like for the rest of the journey to yeah, get yeah, to the yeah. petrol station. It's the same sort of thing. You don't you don't want to go too hard too soon. Yeah, um, but I suppose by in that analogy, are you, are you then racing the last like five miles to get to the petrol station before it closes? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other answer was yeah, with five v fives, he tries to be stable during the attack and not to suffer during the counter attacks. And then, but then you tie in the second answer I got when I asked about it a bit more. It was like at this stage of the season where there's injuries and stuff and the team's a little bit uncertain. And also one of the things Wanmar was saying, they knew the first four games were going to be just difficult because the preseason wasn't great, was it? Yeah, they actually yeah. had all the players together, but it was less than the other teams. They couldn't train because it was so hot. They weren't sleeping brilliantly, didn't have many preseason games. So almost there's more reason to keep it steady early in that part of the season. Like... Like you don't need to explain why you need to keep it stable and steady mm. at Real Madrid because you know what can happen if you don't. And that's why, again, going back into expectations, that is something to look out for. Does as there as a counterpoint to this, and I take the Sheffield United game as an example again, when you're away from home and you do take it steady and easy and you keep everything balanced and you play that five on five, is there a sense of sure? Sheffield United can't get out and like Edison touched the ball what four or five times in that first half and they were all passbacks that were being knocked around the, the back four but is there also a case of Sheffield United going at half time with the fans kind of not yeah. feeling too bad because because City haven't created a huge amount I have always thought that playing the game that way it does make sense and it's, it's one of all the trophies so I've basically I've discarded my own thoughts on this is yeah. irrelevant because what do I know? But it does, in some ways, narrow the margins between the teams where they can score on the break. And and they did. If you, yeah, and they did. Like or like, not even just Sheffield, not but any team. You know, if you're if you're going to make it a close game. Again, I have discarded this already because I think if you are playing a close game, but you're still dominating, this is it. They're not. They're not having it as a as a close game like the Fulham first half, where both teams are attacking. That's not what they're after. Mm. But if you're after a stable game where there is no counter attacks, there are no counter attacks. But the cost of that is fewer chances created. It is still. Look, it makes sense because you are still at trying to create what two, three tops maybe chances in the first half. So it does make sense if you're creating two or three and they're creating none. 
statistically speaking, it makes sense. It's the right approach. But football being football, if they do get a corner or there is a mistake or Edison has to come out and they go around him and he gets sent off or they go around him and score, whatever, you know, something like that can happen. I do kind of feel like if you narrow in the margins between the team and the game is close, There's your it risk. does kind of open it up. But what did that was it? Was it Pep's Barcelona? But it it just comes down to taking the chances. Basically, was it eighteen percent possession? Celtic had it. Was it against Pep's Barcelona? Right, maybe I don't know. Years ago, they beat, they that was when I was at uni, so it probably would have been Pep's Barcelona. I remember there was like a there was a few famous Celtic results around then. So yeah, maybe. But again, like that's football. But look at the other side of it. Like that that can happen to a Pep team. Yeah, the Atletico Madrid semi final in his third year at Bayern. Like, happens, they were, yeah. they absolutely battered them, missed penalties, and it happened. But Look what else happens over the course of his career. It's it's it, it's the perfect analogy, really. You win, you win so you win more trophies than anyone else. Mm. But occasionally, you are going to have a game when a team has twelve percent possession. So that's why it doesn't matter. You know, you make the game closer. But if you're having all the chances, you're probably going to score them. Yeah. And that's that's where we're at with City. But also, it's like just to go back to, it's like the counterattacks things. Like for years, it kind of. I'm not saying we've got all the answers on this podcast, but there was. I remember asking him in the pandemic. I don't think we'd brought it up on the podcast, but I remember thinking that they played a game at Fulham away. It was the one that Sterling got dropped for. And I think, did Aguero start and score a penalty? It was a weird game. Fulham away in the pandemic. Far- I think Farron Torres scored. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. But I remember asking him over Zoom, I was like, are there times when you can counterattack and you actually tell the players not to? But he kind of wasn't having it and didn't want to get into it, either because it was stupid or didn't want it. But we've seen, haven't we? Mm. They don't. But going back to what fans are expecting to see and want to see. Oh, get it forward, get it yeah, forward. Attack the space. Not, the, the, How many like, times have we oh, talked the, about the, it on the, the show about we need, they yeah. need 10,000 million passes? The number of times you sit in the Etihad though and you hear, um, like the, the complaint is, like Fulham, Sheffield United, whoever, they've sent players forward for a corner and City have won the ball back and it's like, they're not in, they're not in position. Like exploit the fact that, that there's nobody there and they've not got everyone behind the ball. And like fans want that. Guardiola doesn't want that. No, I mean, there obviously has been a bit of an upturn in that since Haaland came. And, you know, I asked Guardiola about it. Having asked him that question three years ago, whatever it was, I did ask him in, like, March, like, probably April, because they, they started getting the wins by then, scoring loads of goals. I was like, are you actually better at it now? And he was like, yeah, we got De Bruyne and Grealish and Haaland and Alvarez and Foden, so they can do it. So there is more of that now, but you still know that it goes back to the... Um, like Haaland didn't appreciate it against Burnley, did he? Yeah. Really he wanted Bernardo to play the pass and... Pep had to tell him no, like he was right to keep that ball at that stage of the game and other players had tried it and they'd failed and we'd lost the ball and we, we don't want to be unstable. So it's exactly the same as that, understanding that there won't always be counter-attacks. Guardiola said after that Chelsea game when De Bruyne scored the winner a couple of seasons ago in January and it got a bit ropey at the end and he was like, I know, he goes, and the fans want to see it but and there was the space to do it. He said, I understand the players because there was the space because Chelsea were actually attacking for once. They'd left the back door open massively. It's so like Sterling and Foden I, were trying to play the food balls and they kept messing them up. And I he was asked, like, the thing to do it. is a thousand million passes. I asked him about it, about the Wolves game um, oh God, when, yeah, uh, when Sterling, Sterling scored the penalty. That was probably and, a month earlier. Yeah, um, because my uh, the way I framed it was during the pandemic, no, no fans in the stadium. Is it a lot easier for you to get the message to the, the players, just keep the ball, move it around, hold possession? And then suddenly you've got 55,000 people there going, get it forward, yeah, we can yeah, kill yeah. this with another goal. And like, it, it makes the player's decision. Actually, I'm, um, actually, I should play this when you know, deep down they know maybe they shouldn't. Do you remember what you said? 
Uh, he absolutely dismissed it, and then uh, Simon Bakovsky said to me, "You remember that thing you asked him last week? Yeah, he just said he just said exactly what you were saying." Yeah, yeah, classic. <laughs> but so there's that. In terms of expectations, I mean, there's, there will be more, and maybe it's another section we can do on another show at some point. I mean, if people have got examples, send them in uh, voice notes if you want. But there's obviously counter attacks, and yeah, this is the other one now. It's like if you're watching a game that's fairly dull, but City are in control of. Like we knew they wanted to do it anyway because we, we know we've been watching City enough for now. And like I said, one more was like, this is what we wanted. The scoreline didn't reflect it. Yeah, there's your but, but now you, you can actually look at it and go, are they just matching them up at the back? Is it four against four? Is it five against five? Is it six against six? And then in the second half, just try and... Handbrake comes off. Ca- yeah, keep the it the That's the thing. Like I, I wouldn't have spotted that if I didn't already have like an idea to look out for it. Um, but again, like next time I see... City in away games or just from now on I'm going to be looking out for that kind of thing and and then see how it changes That's it for this episode of Let Me Talk Details Remember this was the free version of Let Me Talk If you'd like longer ad-free versions earlier then all the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com If you want to ask us a question or send us a voice note on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok just search for lmtpod or if you want to send us an email it's hello at lmtpod.com Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.